Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 75 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We have a live show on September the 28th in Whelan's. If you haven't heard us mention it already, I just mentioned it there again. That's September the 28th in Whelan's with Overhead the Albatross, Dahi and Elaine May. Tickets 12 euro on Ticketmaster right now. There's a month to go. We'll see you front row and you'll get to see me and my boys, Craig Fitzpatrick. Yeah, hey, if I'm still alive. I mean, like, you just got me worried that I have glandular fever because I'm like a bit, I don't know. I'm concerned now, Dave. Colin Morgan. <laughs> I'm sharing the studio with him, so I'm only slightly less uncomfortable, really. You have a cold. Yeah. Are you it's sure? It's not glandular fever. Okay. If it was glandular fever, you would be able to leave your fucking bed. Trust All me. All right. Okay. Don't make me talk about my glandular fever again. <laughs> Let's well, do let, it. That's not. The highlight of the first couple of months of, uh, of 2017 for me. <laughs> Great. Uh, just stop kissing people. You know, that's... Okay, that's I'll all try. you gotta do. I'll try my best. That's all you gotta do. Okay, so um, yeah, we've discovered to our horror in the previous few minutes that our sonic architect Eve, who is back with us this week. Hello, Eve. Hi. How's it going? Hi. She Woo! somehow, somehow, has no idea. Had no idea that Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather is the thing. Yeah, which is happening, you know, imminently. Yeah, I'm impressed. Complete with questions like, "Hang on, there's boxing." And yeah. I thought he was not a boxer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm so really did impressed. We. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely impressed because it's like, like, how could you possibly have such a blackout on social media and, like, even just like, everyone just rabbiting on about it as they have been so hard for the last kind of month or two? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing to not know about. To it. not know about it. Yeah, true, I true. wish I was that person. So, what are our plans for the big fight? Uh, I think I'm going to be in Kilcock 
Why? Is that a real place? Yeah, yeah, apparently. What? I don't know. It's where you go, isn't it? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to be a cock watching The Voice. Is that a euphemism? I don't. I don't think so. Okay, uh, I've I'm got a fever. Not one that I'm familiar with. I'm going. To Maybe y- they're all talking about it, and we've missed this. I'm going to yours. Am I? Uh, no, we're 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 both going to someone else's. Now. Oh, okay, right. Okay, yeah. I, I go where I'm told. We're changing it up. Also, Craig, you don't have a fever. Okay. Smash cut to next week when Craig's <laughs> not in. I know. I'm very concerned now. I'm also amazed that you're drinking out of a Russell Watson mug. It Dave. was all that was in the kitchen. The people's Why? tenor. Uh, I didn't even know who that is. Who is it? He's a tenor. Okay. He's the people's tenor. Right. He's a singer. I wanted the, the, the black Thoman mug, and it was, look, like someone had just used it. Oh, okay. So, it's very colourful. It's good. Bringing you right behind the scenes of No Anchor here, <laughs> as, as I have my lukewarm tap water, because I forgot to go to the shop. Uh-huh. So, yeah, how do we all feel about this world stage of horrible avarice and two arrogant fucking egomaniac pricks? conning everyone out of their money. Can you imagine even putting money down in this fight? What kind of a clown would you be? I mean, <laughs> Come to the live show, though, listener, if you're not offended by what I just said. In America, it costs like $100 to buy this fight, which is In mental. HD, you can get it for $89.99 in non-HD. It's true, yeah. Or you can in, go, in the go the Why would you even definition? need HD for this? Like, HD is the future, my friend. Is it really? By future, I mean the present. Too much high definition on TV, I think. No? Well, we, see too much too good, pe- yeah, like. we see too much of people. Like what they actually look like. This can be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is true. You can you, you can get up close and personal yeah. to like you know I don't know Sir Davos. It, well, no, yeah, no, no offense, Liam Cunningham. I'm a huge fan. Liam Cunningham's looking well. Like. He is looking well. I, I will always remember being in a bar at one of the first times I've ever come across HD TV and football was <laughs> well, on. Fo- what a day! Fo- no, the football was on. We were like. That is impressive, to be fair. It's a very sharp picture. And then it goes back <laughs> Then it goes back to studio where Bill O'Hurley, John Giles, and Eamon Dunphy yeah, Dunphy's not have every well, no. crevasse of their faces yeah. blown up in like big screen high definition. It, it's not a great look. Look at you throwing a dead man under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> and a dead institution as well. He was a, a great... dead institution? Yeah, like the Irish language. Like the Magdalene Laundries. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Speaking of Irish institutions, um, like, have we seen this ad, this Beats by Dre ad, where it's like Conor McGregor's growing up in the like hard streets of Crumlin? No, it's I haven't awful. Watched, yeah. I've I avoided it because I've seen way too many people being like, "I'm so proud to be Irish" by watching this video, and I was like, "You know what? I don't want to do." Yeah, you'd swear he'd like grown up on the streets of Compton. But you read like, the fucking re- ESPN <laughs> yeah, piece by Wright Thompson, yeah. where he was like, "It's like the pages of a Dennis Lehane novel come to life." Yeah. And I was like, when is, you know, way down in the hole by the blind boys of Alabama going <laughs> to kick in as I scroll down through this article? Yeah, it's very much yeah, like that. So, if, yeah, if you, you've never lived in Crumlin. You've survived it. <laughs> so fair play to everyone who lives in Crumlin and is thus surviving it. I just passed through, it seems. It's a lovely yeah. spot. It's grand. It's grand. It's got character. That's where my dentist is. My aforementioned steampunk dentist. That's out in Crumlin. Shout out. Shout out to George Miller. You got teeth problems? Go to George. <laughs> Learn a lot. We'll be back after that message. We have a brand new segment this week. We've had Craig on Kanye in the past, but this week it's time for Craig on Jay Z. I didn't have time for a sting for this. No, I spent all my time doing the Taylor Swift images. Got nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, this is Craig on Jay Z on Kanye. So, I mean, when Jay Z released his most recent album, 444. We talked a lot, and I had kind of a bit of a moment. I had mm. a bit of a what did I have? Yeah, a rant. I was in a, I was feverish even then. It was I like think. my I think it all stemmed from that. It was like my eleven minute Harry Styles rant. <laughs> yeah, that time. it really was. It, it might have been somewhat coloured by the fact that he laid in quite hard on Perel Kanye, um, in a number of lines, and it seemed like the kind of squabble between them was 
uh, just worsening. Uh, but he, JC's given a new interview and he's kind of explained himself and the kind of he's talked about this alleged beef with Kanye um, and plenty of other stuff. Uh, in response to speculation, he was taking shots at Kanye on the opening track, Kill Jay Z, and actually a couple of other tracks as well. There's very kind of obvious stuff that people haven't been mentioning. But Jay has explained that it's not even about a Kanye diss, it's not a diss. I'm talking to myself the whole time. He continues, I'm not talking about Kanye when I say you dropped out of school, you lost your principles. I'm talking about me. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you don't sound convinced. No, no. I mean, I, it does apply to both, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, he goes on to talk about yeah, that does, famous on stage rant. Yeah, he, like yeah. He, he doesn't walk it back. This is the weird thing. Yeah, he doesn't really at all. And he's still he's kind of trying to s- switch up the narrative where, like, he's talked about, oh, Kanye was coming after my wife and kids. You like, brought my family into yeah, it. That like, old chestnut. Like Kanye wasn't dissing. I don't know. He wasn't. He didn't say anything about his kids. I don't think he said Beyonce said she would only perform at an award ceremony if she won the award, which I think deserved calling out. Right? <laughs> right? Am I right? <laughs> they come after us next. Yeah, I, I don't see the. I, it all seems very, very innocuous. I don't, I'm not saying it's staged or anything, but like it's just it's very kind of storm and teacup stuff, really. Well, yeah, but plus as well, it's also clearly PR managed, where like his guys have sat down and basically with a fine tooth comb gone through the various. Um, controversies arising from the album because yeah. he's also had to talk about like you know his his uh, supposed anti-semitism uh in in um what was it called story of oj yeah um you know he's obviously had to talk about the the, the whole solange situation which it, i love by the way people were like hey what do you think about people that that gag that went around people were like that elevator that night that you know birthed three great albums and um, his response is i think we went into that elevator as great artists doesn't surprise me End yeah. of quote. <laughs> and, and, but like, it, 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 this is like political communication at its best. Like, it's verbal jujitsu, just turning the sort of loose narrative into something that suits him. Yeah. Good work, Jay. I mean, like the anti-Semitic stuff. Let's wade into that for a second. Oh yeah. Um, no, but his argument is kind of like, well, I say stuff about African Americans as well, and you haven't mentioned that. It's like, oh. And then he kind of says, well, I'm saying something positive, and you're like, oh. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I, 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 I think his thing is that it's all a bit of an exaggerated. It caricature. is. He says it's an exaggeration. Um. Yeah. So yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing at all times. The quote though, as well, when he goes, off. "Of course, I know Jewish people don't own all the property in the world. I mean, I own, I own things." Laughs. Yeah. <laughs> And then he goes, it was an exaggeration, much like that racist cartoon. Oh, great. I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> good sighting but, there. But, um, you know, not the worst album he's ever put out. It's a good album. It's, it's a, a good album. Yeah. What the fuck? You're, like, you're determined to keep it off our year-end honours list. It's fine. Stage. It's fine. Uh, less heading towards the New Year's honours list, I think, is probably going to be the LCD Sound System album, or at least from what we've had to judge it from so far three singles in and we're kind of sceptical but James Murphy has been talking about the record which he calls a completely new phase for the band uh, which I, I guess was kind of obvious anyway right? Yeah it's called um, you know retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Active retirement. And he even talked about when they went into retirement uh, finishing up with that Madison Square Garden show and uh, he said that basically the promoters had no faith in their ability to sell tickets suggested that Outcast's big boy opened for them and that he had the theory that if we make it our last show it'll sell out this story's full of holes why the fuck would Madison Square Garden be like we don't think he can sell Madison Square Garden but can you play next Friday like yeah. don't book it it's 18,000 people if you think like they're not a draw what are you doing oh, I mean I guess there were nerves well he basically said yeah you know we said we'd retire so those tickets would sell yeah incidentally this is the last ever episode of No Encore until the live show and if you want to come to the live <laughs> thanks thanks appreciate very well that. done yeah, off very the cuff, well off done. the cuff um, yeah 
I mean, uh, like, one of his bandmates has kind of come out and said, well, it's not all that calculating. It was more of a kind of, I mean, Joe Murphy says himself, it was a bit of a lark. And it wasn't taught true. We thought just like, okay, we'll probably call it quits after this. It'll be a big kind of send off and everyone will come. But it is a bit cynical. His bandmate, Al Doyle, multi-instrumentalist, has gone on a tweet storm, although, you know, it's not too visceral. Uh, he basically just kind of says, no. Just tweet squall. Yeah, pretty much. He no, says, like, he says, music journalism is out there to kind of get clicks and, you know, find angles. And it's a great angle if someone comes along and says, we only broke up to sell tickets. Fair enough. I understand that. But he was like, why would that be a motivation? Like, I mean, like, like the show lost a lot of money. We didn't make any money on that show. And he said, we're, you know, we're talking about people's professional livelihoods. It was my job and it ended. I didn't think I was getting it back. He said, I'm glad we got back together. I understand the obsession with the why that hangs over the retirement, but even for me, it's not been fully answered, and I don't necessarily need it to be, but I do want you all to know that it wasn't to grub ticket money. So that makes it sound like James Murphy is not a great communicator with his acts and their, their, or his bandmates, and they're just happy to be there. Yeah, very much so. Although uh, he does give credit to aforementioned good communicator Jay-Z, and uh, indeed that track, <laughs> The Song of OJ, uh, he mentions in this interview that uh, it's one of the uh, tracks recently that's gotten him really excited. It's a very good song. He called it fucking beautiful. So, praise indeed. Hmm, I don't know. There's also reference to Morrissey, who incidentally has announced a new record. Oh. Yeah, are we excited? No, mm. not after that gig. Yeah. Not after that gig. I mean, he's it's it's getting harder and harder to kind of, you know, make excuses for Morrissey as a kind of public figure as well. Oh, so, big time. Um, it's very hard to kind of separate his music as well. So. That was the gig that caused me to uh, quit my hot press job. Let's yeah. Not, let's not forget. Well. It was also, it was also yeah, the gig yeah. that caused a lot of people to stop going to that burger place outside 3 Arena. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. <laughs> probably a wise choice for all involved. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, these days, you know, we've seen that horrific scenes in the in the United States of America when that Robert E. Lee statue was going to be taken down. And yeah. Some absolutely disgusting fucking slugs came out of the woodwork uh, to protest that. Mm. Uh, in a change for good, hopefully, someone has petitioned um, for a Missy Elliott statue. And I kind of say, why not? I... Like, Sure, I mean, it would be a hell of a, it. It'd be a hell of a thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it very much would. And Mayor John Rowe has come out and he says, "I say yes and ask you to join me in letting us work it together. We <laughs> could put white supremacy down, flip it, and reverse it." <laughs> there you go. Give that man yes. another term. Um, yeah, erect that statue right now. Um, <laughs> and everybody loves Missy. She doesn't get enough props, I think. So yes, a statue for Missy Elliott. Yeah, please. She's, she's oddly underrated. And also, I like she when is. there's like you know, kind of a pop culture statue to you know, signify an area. For example, that uh, that Robocop statue in Detroit, which I believe is finally a thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's about what? damn time. If anyone's going to save a collapsed industrial city, it's a statue of Robocop. <laughs> I also noticed that Killer Mike is amongst those uh, speaking out about uh, you know the statue of Confederate heroes and presumably yeah. in support of the Missy Elliott. Uh, did frighten me for a second there when I thought they were suggesting a Killer Mike statue. At which point, half the quarries in the US would be put out of business. Don't, like, don't wow. body shame the man. Yeah. He wears his carriage very well, I'll have you know. <laughs> Lord. What? <laughs> is, that a, is that a thing? First class carriage. He's a, he's a large man with a lot to say. Just as a strange aside there, um, ESPN have a commentator called Robert Lee who's been taken off commentating on a Virginia match this oh. weekend. Oh, come on. I mean, yeah, I swear to God. Because that's his name. Yeah, because that's his name. I thought people were going to get him confused or something. I don't know. He's back. He's, from, back. Yeah. he's back from the dead, and he's going to incite a riot by commentating on a sports game. Yep. Okay, fine. <laughs> so yeah, the next story in the list. Uh, I mean, like it's a bit of a classic song. Like you know, it's a classic song. I, I, I think I, I feel like everyone out there knows that this song in particular is a work of art. Maybe so. Let's have a quick listen. No one comes 
just what the doctor ordered Can't there. I can't believe you did that. Such that's, a beautiful song, Destroyed. Eleanor Rigby by Godhead. <laughs> <laughs> early Twilight. Two, early the two, band Wings could have been. <laughs> <laughs> early 2000s uh, new metal sensations Godhead, who were signed to Marilyn Manson's record label yeah. and then dropped, and then I don't think he signed anybody else to that label. No. I think it was called Post Human, maybe? But uh, that's a banger, and I quite like it. Uh, are we going to get disturbed Sound of Silence in a minute? No. No. Okay. Let's not go nuts. Well, why are we playing that, Dave? Well, because uh, you're a Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. Cullum, you're a Beatles much, fan. Yeah. Well, you gentlemen have a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> opportunity. Uh, if you'd like to carry your obsession with the Beatles into the next life, into the nether realm, the deeds for the grave of Eleanor Rigby, the woman whose name was immortalised in Godhead's song just there, yeah. their original track, uh, now for auction, the certificate of purchase and receipt of grave space will grant the owner burial rights for up to 99 years and will be sold along with a miniature Bible with Rigby's name written inside. The grave is located in Walton, Liverpool in St. Peter's Churchyard, the spot where Paul McCartney and John Lennon first met. So, not creepy at all. I was very confused by this because I didn't realise you could just decide, like, spend money and decide you're going, your coffin is going to be plonked on top of someone else's. Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, I know there's only a kind of finite amount of space, but that seems a bit grim, doesn't it? Do well, the old residents just get shoved lower and lower down? Residents? <laughs> residents? <laughs> Craig is optimistic, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Craig's going to rent rather than buy because it's only a temporary They all get out at night, don't they? And we're like, a tenant. To, yeah. Yeah, Bank of Ireland probably won't give you a great deal even after you're a corpse. So well, yeah, apparently after like 75 years or something, you can it goes back up for sale. Sure. I don't, like I don't think after 75 years you're going to be worried about that, really. Yeah. Worry about having all of your teeth left. Uh, Just burn me, lads. The deeds uh, are expected to sell... <laughs> <laughs> the deeds are expected to sell for between £2,000 and £4,000, which isn't that bad. Uh, other items listed include the original score for Eleanor Rigby, as well as a pair of John Lennon's glasses. Now, I misread this, and I thought they were all coming as part of a package deal. Like, like this extraordinary Beatles kit. Yes. That you could be buried, buried with all of like John Lennon's yeah. glasses. While, while, holding, while clutching the original score for Eleanor Rigby in, in, in your dying... And then lie on top of Eleanor Rigby. In your dying talent, yeah. I thought it was like a grab bag of, <laughs> of Beatles paraphernalia for the ultimate fan yeah no but the, frankly his glasses would go for a heck of a lot more than two to four thousand anyway the thing start. is like Paul McCartney himself has said that like that it's just a coincidence that this well, woman no. have, he said oh maybe something subconscious was going on but he says that about everything but like clearly it was like because he said oh no it was a name I plucked from thin air and then they realised that like the same place that he and Lennon met there was a woman called Eleanor Riggie. is he just going around reading like headstones and there was yeah, about five people were... already in this this is getting overcrowded so who the meet in a graveyard <laughs> Uh, I think they met outside like the graveyards outside the church Godhead and they met outside the church <laughs> Probably, at some yeah. sort of community thingy that both of their parents were at well look the point is all items if you're interested go for auction on September the 11th never forget songs of the week now no um, hang on oh following on from this wait a second yes. <laughs> yeah I got my got my thinking cap and my investigative cape on I don't know <laughs> I put two hats on like is, that guy that used to be in goalie looking chain is that fur lined that cape <laughs> Well, it could be. Okay. And checked out some of the weirder things that have gone on auction over the years. Excellent. Uh, from musicians. Uh, so Wait, hang on. This sounds suspiciously to me like it could be a top ten. It's a top ten. Oh, wow. Uh, Eve, can you please do the honours and give us some jaunty, upbeat top ten music?
thank oh, you. Oh, there we go. It's good to be back. Uh, so number 10, like you don't even get into the specifics, but just people buying hair. Stop that. <laughs> Everybody's hair sure. seems to have been bought at auction. Yeah. It's not cool. Uh, a weirder part of somebody, and indeed the aforementioned John Lennon, uh, his extracted tooth went up for sale uh, at an auction in 2011. Yeah, he'd given the, the tooth. He'd actually gotten it from the dentist and given it to his housekeeper as a present, like, suggesting she give it to her Beatles fan daughter. And uh, instead she put it up what for a, auction. What a dick. And, and it sold to uh, a dentist in Canada. So, you know, what goes around comes around, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, number eight, uh, William Shatner, kind of along the same lines, sold his extracted kidney stone. Oh, that's got, a very Shatner thing to do. He got 25 grand for it, and it was bought by uh, GoldenPalace.com, who have a lot of previous in this. Um, they also bought a, a grilled cheese sandwich with the face of the Virgin Mary on it, um, the Pope's old Volkswagen Golf, and uh, paid £65,000 to name a newly found monkey, which is now the GoldenPalace.com monkey. It didn't, it didn't even go imaginative. Is this a species it. of monkey, or is it just a random monkey that was found? Oh, yeah, like a species. Oh, right. Yeah, kind of new thing. Um, they also, at number seven, spent $5,000 on one of Britney Spears' used pregnancy tests. Oh, Jesus Christ. God I know. Almighty. Can you think of a worse invasion of privacy? No, like? I don't want to. They should be arrested. How was that even found? Uh, it, it was in her hotel room in oh, Las knows. Vegas, I think. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, yeah, it was sold to a radio station in Ottawa, in Canada. And then they put her up for auction and uh, Golden Palace... Dot com borders because of course they did. Stop advertising Golden Palace. Colum's not reading this off the phone. He's just very familiar with the details of the Golden Palace. Yeah. Com. Uh, Two thousand. Justin Timberlake uh, had breakfast at a New York radio station, and they put his half-eaten French toast up for sale, and it sold for over a thousand dollars. They should all be fired. That's not, That's wrong. That's mm. harassment. <laughs> Harassment of breakfast. It's radio it gets is dying worse, on man. Niall Horan had one in Australia, and I think like it was in tens of thousands when it was sold. It did have a smear of Vegemite on it. I don't know if that helps. Jesus Christ. There's half a sandwich here if anyone wants to bid on it. Maybe post-live show. I'm going to finish it, though. Yeah. Uh, Number five, and frankly, this isn't going to work very well on radio, but just go online and look at some of the shit that Michael Jackson was selling from his Neverland ranch. Be careful with that, Google. Extraordinary. There's one of them. It's a life-size cowboy child holding a distressed-looking Careful with that, Google. Careful with that, Google. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely awful. Uh, number four, uh, Justin Bieber had a baby boa constrictor at the MTV Music Awards. Well, of course, with that, with <laughs> and I must say, I like this one, okay? Because one animal lover was horrified, and when Justin Bieber put it up for auction, uh, he bought it and just gave it to the zoo. Oh, that's okay. nice. Yeah, into prison with you. Yeah. Uh, number three, one of those. Famous ones, I guess, that people reference. Um, the Titanic's bandmaster, William Wallace Hartley, uh, was literally playing the violin. Uh, when the ship went down, yeah. and uh, it sold a few years or a few years ago for one point seven million dollars. The violin, yeah, violin. it wasn't warped by the water. <sighs> Apparently not. I don't know, mate. Not completely. To be honest, I don't think it was bought to be played either. Yeah. And like as people just pass it around a room at sessions. Uh, <laughs> Give us a bit of come on, Eileen. There, would you? <laughs> at number two, uh, Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Um, he tried to sell Eminem's old couch, um, that he presumably like gifted him at some point. Um, and he insisted that it was a joke. But uh, it still didn't reach <laughs> like Obi. It, it didn't reach two thousand dollars, which is his reserve. And then he also lamented that it went the wrong way, quote unquote, and the people assumed he was broke. 
That's, that's <laughs> Obi Trice, considering the only two albums he released in the past decade peaked at like numbers yeah. 113 and 110, respectively. He's still sleeping on that couch. Try to again <laughs> sell that couch. There's still time. It's, it's sort of fold over. And no, number one uh, is Paul Yates, who's an indie movie director in New York, uh, offered up a jar purported to contain Moby's soul. This, this was after every single track on play had been licensed for ads of one type or another oh, and Moby had also distanced himself from the movie good. that he made with him called Moby Presents Alien Sex Party um, it's sold for $41 but they've since become friends again so all ends well so it's like Bart and Milhouse and Simpsons did he give him back his soul? <laughs> I, I don't think he gave it back to him it's still in a jar on someone's counter somewhere good lord yeah Okay. That, that's probably going to be the next album presumably Moby Searches for His Soul well, you know, hopefully he finds it. I don't know. Plays all right, I guess. He got the odd good song. Shot in the back of the head's great. Oh, amazing! Great yeah, song. Some great, song. great song. Well, songs are in fact the order of the day. Songs of the week. We only have four this week, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we kind of have five. We'll see. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. That sound. Shit! Going back to bingo. It, no, I'm. I was just doing the sound. All right. Here's the first song. It's by the Foo Fighters. That's the sky as a neighborhood, and I saw someone on Twitter today say, "What a chorus!" I agree, it's fucking terrible. Uh, I mean, it's not terrible to be fair. I feel like it's just a Foo Fighters song, isn't it? It's kind of like it's so much more loud. And it's <laughs> Take it away, sing alongy, and kind of like you know has ideas at least of being kind of monumental and epic and all the rest of it. Uh, there was something about I think pr- like primarily the vocals. Kind of extremely loud compared to what was going on underneath, mm. and sound like it was recorded, like overheard, as Dave Grohl was in his garage. Uh, Thirty seconds in, I was in fits of laughter. <laughs> it's a, got a weird bombastic, like operatic by way of U.S. alt rock thing that My Chemical Romance might have done a decade ago, but it doesn't fit them whatsoever. Yeah, you know, it also has some sort of like is that a harpsichord or something in the yeah, chorus? It some gets sort very of like string. Yeah, it's like they're ascending to heaven. All, all oh, of the yeah. foos. Are, oh, yeah. th- th- this song can be summed up solely by a guy just going really makes you think, man. Yeah. Because you know they're definitely trying to be kind of deep and philosophical with this. I think Dave has kind of covered um, Paul McCartney's or Wings band on the run a bit too much because it's very McCartney in the 70s I think just kind of a bit playful but also like delusions of grandeur and no taste whatsoever it's like a Biffy Clyro song it just has that weird kind of you know divine ascension in the middle of it like mountains which I still maintain has to be the theme music off some bible channel somewhere I can't get excited about this band because I don't find them exciting and I hope that they would occasionally come out with something good but I think I'd have to cut my losses with this band and just accept them for the beige mediocrity that they are. I think they have come out with some decent stuff in the past but uh, yeah, unfortunately this is the is this the second or third track from this second, album? Second, I believe. Yeah, well either way they're over two now. So I mean, they're trying something different for sure on this but it's just like they're out of any good ideas. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Fair. But definitely back with a new idea is... <laughs> William Patrick Corgan.
This 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 Corgan of whom you speak, Dave. <laughs> yes, I will answer any and all questions about William Patrick Corgan. Rings a bell. It should. Yeah. It should ring a bell because what Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins fame oh, has right. done here is he's stolen my idea. I've said before, maybe not to you guys, but it's confession time. Do you if want you to be David wrote Billy a novel, Manhattan? correct. Okay. If yeah. I ever like release a book or like you know some great master work that isn't the podcast, yeah, be as David William. Hanrady. If I was to direct a film, I, I want to see like written and directed by David William Hanrady. I want to put okay. out a book with David William. Ask me full name. It can't be initials. Like I was no, going to say, if you become it a can't cri- be initials. No, no, it's only initials if he becomes a cricketer in 1890s England, <laughs> where he'll be W D Hanratty. DW no, is kind of no, no, it's not though because DW Griffith made that oh. fucking racist Birth of a Nation movie oh, back shit. in the day. And yeah. I don't, I he don't ruined think it for all people future DW. Look, you're going a bit like ESPN fucking banning Robert <laughs> Lee here. Like. DW Henry sounds like an oil man. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, could reclaim it though. Reclaim it from oil and racism. <laughs> yeah, I'm only half joking about this thing. Like I know, oh, no, I know it's all. I know it's pretentious as all hell. But I think well, it is your name. I think David I think David William Henry has a nice ring to it. As for William Patrick Corgan, uh, what's Billy Corgan playing on now? I mean, like he's putting out a new record that's produced with, with Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin uh-huh. yeah. This song is called Aeronaut, by the way. How do we pronounce the album? Oh, God. Oh, Best of luck to you. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, Ogilala. Sure. Ogilala. Why not? Ogilala. It's kind of like a Snoop album. So it's kind of a reinvention for the man. Uh, yet another reinvention. And to be fair, you know, like if you've written some of the albums he's written back in the day and some of the songs he's written, he's entitled to do whatever he wants, really. And I guess when he's not trying to buy a wrestling promotion, he's doing this. And he's he seems very happy about this. He seems very kind of like he said before that he's guilty of overwriting he's guilty of putting on way too many things and in this situation he wants to just keep it as simple as possible speak from the heart has he been successful? I mean, you know, frankly, if he's trying to keep it pretty simple and speak from the heart then you'd have to say yeah, he kind of has been now, whether that's actually particularly good or not is is open to debate I thought this was okay it's grand, yeah. I mean, it's this is very Lennon in the seventies to me with that piano, and like spar- the sparser the better. I think with Corgan at this point, maybe, um, like he's released a solo album before, like over a decade ago, but it was all kind of synthy and a bit. Well, yeah, it seems but like this is very more well, true. Kind of, but at like, the same time, I mean, like, like what are we talking, Billy Corgan solo, as like as opposed to what? Well, well, I think know. for a long time has just been yeah him. But what hopefully, yeah. like the, with the name change, it might actually take some of the pressure off, or like he's been second guessing himself with the smashing. Pum- Pumpkin saying for a while now where he's like, well, this is what they should sound like. That brand should sound like. Um, as for the song itself, it's a it's quite a nice song. Now, like, there's this weird thing where I almost prefer when he's singing with that kind of like wild like caterwauling yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. When he's actually a bit measured and trying to sing, I can finally recognize how some people can't stand his voice. Sure, yeah. It's very there in the middle, and something with the piano, it's. It's a bit off-putting, which surprises me because I'm usually a fan of his voice. But the song itself, the refrain is nice. It's it's grand, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what the album's like. It's nice, but I found it quite unmemorable. Um, yeah, I it's mean, just it's just basic enough. It's not moving mountains, yeah. No, it's yeah. not. So, you know, best of luck, WPC, or <laughs> whatever you want to be known as. <laughs> so, listener, I've got a challenge for you now. I want you to guess who this is.
Okay, if you said Imagine Dragons, yeah. I think you'd have a case, but it isn't. It's 30 Seconds to Mars and Walk on Water. So yeah, they're back. Yeah, Dave, I thought you said we're not allowed to uh, have protest songs on. <laughs> <laughs> what a one you picked. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, mate? Okay, right. I, I said like 30 seconds into the Foo Fighters song I was laughing. The laughter continued because this was the next track oh, up. Yeah. And I just... This is the worst dross I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm Continue. glad you still got a giggle because I was going to say this was my comedy track of the week. Like the lyrics are, oh my no, god! No, it's when it's when that choir comes in. Man. Yeah, I lost it. Yeah, I, not since the great Kali stormed out at the end of the Punjabi prison match have I laughed so hard recently. I, I don't know much. Thirty seconds to Mars. Like, no, I thought they I can't were kind of like familiar. a like kind of leaning a bit on emo and punk but actually quite mainstream I like what is this this That's, is definitely a departure yeah, is this them, right? what they do uh, I mean like I don't look at me like I'm the fucking <laughs> hardcore Jared Leto <laughs> fan anyone will know uh, okay look 30 Seconds Tomorrow's have the odd okay track oh. <laughs> okay, like, no they're a terrible band okay. uh, and, oh sorry sorry I have to take this moment to we've mentioned before on the podcast some kind of monster Metallica documentary uh-huh. a tremendous watch from every point of view if you want something on a similar vein but an hour shorter Artifact a film about 30 Seconds to Mars being sued by their record label for $30 million is well worth your error in 40 minutes if you want to see just how much of a psychopath Jared Leto really is. And it's a really frustrating documentary because like, it's interspersed with him being a complete prick who has no idea how to wear scarves properly, by the way. And that will really bother you as the film goes along. You're desperate for like an incredible situation to come along where you just get sucked into a turbine or something, which doesn't happen. Alas, also in the film is you have like... Uh, music professionals and musicians talking about the music industry, very frankly, to camera. That's genuinely fascinating and interesting. You do learn a lot, but it's interspersed so often with Jared Leto being a complete fucking prick. Hmm. His ego is the size of the fucking sun. And with this, I mean, look, I'm just going to read from the fucking press release I got a couple of weeks ago. So here we go. Jared Leto says, after four, <laughs> after four long years, hundreds of days, thousands of hours, gazillions of seconds, we have finally managed to finish mm. a single fucking song. Whoever thought soon would actually be here now. With the help of groundbreaking nanotechnology, chatbots, and self-driving music software, we have wrangled from the depths of our coal black hearts some semblance of a song. If you're still reading this press release and managed to get this far, you probably get to work or school before you get fired or grounded. If you're stubborn like I am, please continue and let me share with you a few words on our brand new single. The ever so subtle and minimalist ode we tenderly call Walk on Water. Of course, oh. this entire paragraph is complete and total hogwash, but I'm not sure exactly what to say about the song. Honestly, we miss you all. We can't wait to get back on the road, and we couldn't be more proud to share with you the first single off our new album. And yes, we have been working on it for four years. The last time we put an album out, there were no self-driving cars, no fidget spinners, President Trump was still that guy in The Apprentice, and Jon Snow hadn't even died yet. Hashtag spoiler alert. Oh. Fucking yeah, um, dick. Thrown his spoilers. <laughs> and after all that, it's shit. Um, oh, it's I really mean, bad. In yeah. fairness, he is correct. Like At its best, it is some semblance of a song. They put it out on Facebook week ago. They put out this thing where it was like, here's a minute long video of 30 Seconds to Mars fans, although they weren't described that way, but they must have been being taken to a location and they had headphones on and it was their physical reaction to the song. Oh shit, yeah. And I was like, well, this is sensational. And there's also a bit in that where Jared Leto walks out of like a trailer or something and he's wearing like what appears to be like a fencing mask and a pink uh, bath towel or uh, bathrobe. Right. And he looks exactly like if they were doing another Hannibal revival and he was playing fucking Francis Dollarhide because it's terrifying. Imagine being in a band with him and having to put 
up with all the nonsense oh, and just be like, be this easy. is paying my mortgage. You know? Yeah. <laughs> another, another thing to be careful what you Google, because you'll find some horrendous stories about that man. He's, oh, probably, really? he's probably be in jail. But uh, yeah, that's all I say. <clears throat> Terrible song. Allegedly. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, allegedly. allegedly. And, and, and one, one more thing to avoid. Uh, the video to the track has just been released uh, featuring little bits of footage from what is going to be a full-length documentary directed by Jared Leto uh, called A Day in the Life of America, which is based entirely on fan shot and crew shot footage uh, across yeah. the country on July 4th. It, it's, it's heartfelt in the same way as like Kings of Leon's trip to Africa. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> Where they're kicking ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a note there. So he's, it's directed by Jared Leto. Yeah. It says directed by Jared Leto. Yeah. Because at the end of Artifact, after you suffer through that hour and 40 minutes, which by the way, I did for uh, Headstuff. If you, go to, if you go to headstuff.org and just type in 30 seconds to Mars, you can read by minute by minute commentary that I wrote for that film when I was absolutely high as a kite on a really bad flu a couple of years ago. Right. I don't regret it. It was important work. Now, at the end of that film, it comes up and it says, directed by Bartholomew Cubbins. And I went, that's a strange name. I wonder what he's done. It's Jared Leto. It's Jared Leto. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, apparently he's going he's gonna to wear this one. <laughs> okay, well, fantastic. We have one song left. And it's a return of Northern Irish bruising mathcore sensation. And so I watch from afar. Now, and so I watched from far. I've been around for quite some time. They have returned. There is a new album on the way. There is a tour. They'll be stopping off here at the end of the year. The song is called A Slow Unfolding of Wings. It's very much business as usual, but are we happy to hear that business? No, I am, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I like the band a lot. Um, this does not waste time, does it? it it's just straight in there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and for a band that can obviously occasionally sort of play around with the instrumentation to kind of leave the core a little... A little more elusive. Yeah. Uh, no, it's right there, and it's kind of charged, and uh, I do like the fact that by the end, yeah, it feels like you, it's almost kind of been chipping away at something, and it's finally found a crack of light, something like that. Yeah. There's just a, the sense that the repetition actually really helps it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the album's out October 20th, apparently. Um, the Endless Shimmering is what it's called, and uh, yeah, I, I am glad to see these boys back in the block. Yeah, they never really disappoint, and I was just like so relieved to hear this song at the end of the songs of the week. Just like, <laughs> okay, fine, yeah. something I can enjoy. They've talked about this being really like they're laying it all out. I, I think they recorded the entire album something like nine days. They were just like hold up and just went hell for letter, and it, it sounds like that. I'd call them as you say. I mean, there's no kind of like faffing about. It's pure energy. Um, which is saying something for a band that is, you know, usually can draw on that, but they sound as kind of ferocious as ever. Um, well, you know, drawing on some of the kind of positive stuff and the kind of more the warmer textures of their last couple of records. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Big fan of this. Yeah, I mean, like certain bands like this, there is a wheelhouse and they have to stick to it. They have come out of the comfort zone before. Like, I mean, the last record, Airs, was uh, yeah. kind of brought in vocals and kind of like mixed up a little bit. I thought to diminishing returns, but by no means a failure. Uh, but they're kind of back to what they do best. And again, as Cullum says, very kind of streamlined, very kind of, you know, there's absolutely not a pick of fat on this at all. Mm. And very, very good to have them back. I'm very much looking forward to seeing them live once again because if you've never been to see them live, make it your mission. They're great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Okay, so two albums for review this week because I crowbarred one in on top of another, Eleanor Rigby Grave style. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with the first one, a surprise release, one that made me very excited altogether when we were in the pub last week. I wanted to just run home and listen, but I stayed out for points because, you know, priorities. This is brand new from their apparently final ever record, Science Fiction. This song is called 451. So that's brand new. It's 451. Um, it was supposed to come out possibly at the end of the year, but it came out completely randomly, it seems, out of nowhere last Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we had a week to kind of spend with this record. Now, you know, this is kind of my shout because I kind of grew up a brand new in many ways. So rather than me leading the charge here, I kind of want to find out what you guys think because I don't really know. So take it away, boys. I quite enjoyed it, I must say. Um, I, like, straight from the start, I was a little bit iffy about the whole kind of found tapes thing especially because you know it really doesn't take long in this record for you to be like okay now I, I get what they're talking about here it was a kind of an unnecessary device uh, at one level and even though yeah like I say I enjoyed the record I felt that there was more just unnecessary little crutches being used along the way the over-reliance on acoustic guitar being one of them where you know for a band that clearly has a broad palette it felt like kind of a, almost a trick that it was going back to, to kind of bring the same kind of sense and same aesthetic throughout the record. Mm. Um, I think that was especially apparent on a song like Desert, which, you know, lyrically is frighteningly bang on for right now, which is written from the point of like a homophobic, gun-toting, freedom-loving dude, you know. Um, mm. But... Again, because it's written from that point of view, like surely it can take on a slightly different sonic structure if it wants. And the fact that they didn't bother doing that, maybe just a little bit disappointing. Missed opportunity, I suppose. As a band kind of often cited as a major influence on Lil Peep, they had to do a lot to kind of win me back in terms of um, my affections. Uh, now, I thought this, like, if they're they're definitely retiring and not just, you know... LCD sound system retiring and they seem set on it this sounds I mean we've been talking about this for two years more or less I've been saying 2018 so the interesting thing about Brand New is their relationship with their fans well one of the interesting things about them is relationship with their fans and as much as fans of this band have been preparing for this final breakup for a very long time yeah it, everyone's kind of made their peace with it. So, I mean, okay, I mean, like, to give some background, despite skipping the background, uh, Brand New have been around kind of like, you know, that kind of early 2000s emo period. I mean, yeah. they kind of come out and they're kind of lumped in with the likes of Taken Back Sunday, who they actually were friends with and had a hilarious falling out with, and which led to a lot of ridiculous feuding. It was beef, wasn't there? Serious the beef. And everything, oh, yeah. man, like, like, yeah, they allege that they, like, they stole lyrics from each other. Yeah. And Jesse Lacey, the singer from Brand New, was friends with Adam Lazara from Taken Back Sunday, and there was all this kind of stuff where, like, you know, I think Brand New released a really cringy t-shirt saying microphones are for singing, not swinging, because Adam Lazara is on stage histrionic. So me, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. But like, if you look at Brand New as a band, I mean, like, it's interesting because I feel like with this band, they 
have a very distinct beginning, middle and end here across their five records. They have this kind of getting older and reflecting it in the music. The first record, Your your Favourite Weapon, is kind of cookie cutter emo. Now there's some great songs on there, but it's very kind of, you know, straightforward, you know, kind of fast guitar riffs, fast drumming, uh, angsty vocal, kind of high-pitched vocals, tracks like, you know, Jude Law and A Semester Abroad, which have, like, you know, lyrics like, you know, tell all the English boys you meet about the American boy back in the States, the American boy you used to date, who would do anything you say, that kind of stuff. So it's very, like, of that style, and, you know, didn't really go beyond that. I mean, it's a fun record, but it's also very, it's almost ju- borderline juvenile, you know, like in terms of where it's at, where it's kind of teenage, post-teenage hard sure. as that. Yeah. Then you get a record like Deja Entendu, which is a lot more kind of... um upfront about, you know, kind of adulthood and kind of sex and all that kind of stuff. And, and even the band's burgeoning fame, which they weren't terribly comfortable with, and they kind of reflect in some of their songs. It's got some amazing songs on there, though, like Play Crack the Sky, which is just a wonderful piece of work. You move on to The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me in 2006, and this is their seminal work. This is, like, what, why people love this band. Like, go beyond just liking them to actually loving them and, like, genuinely fucking tattoo them on their flesh type thing. It's a wonderful record. I, I think it's a perfect record. Like, it's in my, t- my own personal top five. Beautiful songwriting, incredibly abrasive and aggressive. It captures that raw angst that Jesse Lacey has and mixes it so, so well. Then you get Daisy in 2009, which fans don't quite love, but it is a good album, and now this. So essentially, they have been one of the few bands out there, especially given their kind of genre and that kind of style, to just kind of be mysterious. They've managed to remain very aloof. They don't do a lot of interviews. They play by their own rules. Mm. They don't kind of showcase, even at their own gigs, like, I mean, like, you go there. And a lot, a lot of this is kind of like... Fans have, I think, have enjoyed the relationship. They've enjoyed deciphering who the band are. Jesse Lacey makes no um, kind of compunctions about his love for Morrissey. Like one of the early brand new tracks, a song called Mixtape, and it's addressed to uh, presumably yeah. an ex girlfriend. And, he, and he's got like a line where he's like, um, you know, like I don't the way like the way you don't appreciate uh, the Smiths or Morrissey. You go to his gigs and he has Garland Flowers in like his fucking microphone stand. And yeah. obviously, Jesse Lacey as a lyricist and a, as a singer as well clearly showcases quite a lot of inner emotional turmoil, a lot of angst, and sometimes it's subtle, and sometimes it really fucking isn't. And that's kind of another reason why people gravitate towards this band. But like to wrap up my point, what I would say is, speaking myself as someone who's in his early 30s, that's early 30s, uh, I... <laughs> I, 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 I reflect with, with, with where this band are at now and where they were at then and I think an awful lot of their fans are the same they're playing Dublin in November and I'm seeing an awful lot of people who don't even go to gigs anymore be like well I gotta go to that one because there's a sense here that this is the last piece of the puzzle and it's the last piece of the puzzle on an emotional level for an awful lot of people and a lot of it is like letting go now what I would also say on that point before I wrap up here is this um, while I'm delighted to have this record it's a challenging listen and I've actually gone on like a few long walks while listening to it, you know, headphones on, kind of, you know, the dying sun of the day and all that kind of stuff. Now, what I would say is this. <laughs> That's track seven. There is, there's an element here of your ex-girlfriend who you're not over popping up with a random message out of the blue. And you're like so excited and you get that rush of pure adrenaline and just utter kind of like just no logic. You just run with it. But you're going to get fucking hurt. And you do. Oh, that's where I'm at. Well, yeah, like that's what I was going to say. I mean, you start talking about the relationship they have with the fan base. And while I was actually pleasantly surprised at how, I mean, this is, I, I found this very listenable. Yeah, I found uh, it quite accessible as well. Yeah, uh, but it, it does have that bang of like, I felt like even though I was enjoying it, and as someone that doesn't like that, you know, brand of, you know, American whinging, I think they, they're the best possibly proponents of it because they've great taste and they've great restraint 
Uh, so it never goes too far into those tropes that I just hate those emo type things. It might influence that stuff, but they're far better than that kind yeah. of genre. Um, but as much as I was kind of enjoying it, I was thinking, oh God, I'd really be loving this if I was a massive fan. And if it's like when you're kind of like in a pub and you see old friends reunited and they're like sharing old stories. And you're kind of like, oh, I can appreciate that. But I'm like, eh, it's not really for me. Or yeah. this isn't kind of, I mean, there's even callbacks to like the first album on the closer, Batter Up, which is kind of like emblematic of the album for me in that it it's kind of building to something that never quite comes yeah. for me like it's it's a very nice thing but it doesn't quite explode there's explosive moments I like that they temper those kind of just guitar splurges um, and th- there's some great tracks but a lot of it was like oh I'm, I'm sure if you were in love with this band as a teen this would be doing a lot more for you than it's doing for me yeah, and I think it, it's also kind of funny when I say, you know, earlier that, like, you know, it felt as though, like, maybe they'd limited their palette a little bit, that they'd kind of res- constrained themselves to yeah. a certain sort of aesthetic approach that, obviously, like, there's not going to be another album here. There's not going to be a comparative work, you know, in a couple of years' time, anywhere down the line, in fact, where you can kind of see this fit in that context. So, like Dave said, you kind of have to see it as a five-album mark going back um, about 15 years or so. And one of the things that struck me on this record was, like, just a sense of malaise. I mean, like, I think it's even the second track where he's talking about, like, strumming with a heavy hand and I hope you're one of the kids that got cured, where basically he's kind of saying, look, my work is done here. Like, I'm I'm, I'm not doing this shit for you anymore. But wrapped up in what I think think is a great song, so you're kind of like, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and it's the same with, like, uh, Same Logic, Teeth, um, a couple of tracks later. Like, when when they... actually forge a weapon out of that sort of resignation, so to speak, that, you know, this is it, we're done. I think that's probably when the album peaks for me. Yeah, I mean, Can't Get It Out, the track that you mentioned there, it has lines like, you know, I guess that's just depression, and he kind of essentially says, you know, sometimes you let it win, and that's absolutely true from my experience, and it's like, when with regards to... Um, He's got a line where he says, "I've got a positive message." Sometimes I just can't get it out. And if you're, if you know Jesse Lacey, you know that that line is very self-aware and very kind of, you know, self-deprecating as well. It's kind of a meta little gag. And yeah, the interesting thing about this album is, I mean, I agree with Craig. There's a definite sense here of re- not is resignation the right word? I'm not sure. There's definite sense here of like this is a full stop and we're done. We are done now. I felt like it was, oh, it was yeah. almost an acceptance of yeah, acceptance how for things sure. can be shitty, but like do you know what, I've got a family now and I'm moving into a mature it's place. Someone else's and I can, turn. Yeah, I yeah. can kind of deal. I let it go a bit. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like with that, like I say, it comes its own kind of pain comes with that, where it's like this isn't a you know wrap it up with a neat little bow happy ending. This is like life is hard. And it's still hard and it's going to be hard, but like we've had our run and we've done well and we've given you a lot and now it's time for us to go. Like we've discussed album closers on this show in the past. Is this kind of a feature length album closer? That's a good point. I mean, like to me, it's like, you know, I'd go even further and be like, this album is the five stages of grief, you know, like from start <laughs> to finish. It kind of is. But it is it, no, no, I, th- I, think you, I think you're dead right. It's, it, it is a feature length album closer. It also has a ton of callbacks, um, yeah. Yeah. like a ton of callbacks to oh, practically every record, if not all of them. And again, it's a companion piece for like fans to grieve. And I mean, like you know, that gig that's coming up in November. I know that that night is going to be so cathartic in that building. And I've seen them live a few times, but this is going to be different. And this is going to be, you know, I'm sure some tears will be shed. But there's, but there's a definite thing here of like fans are getting their chance, yeah. like to say goodbye. Like they know that that this is how it is, and everyone's accepting of it. No one's being like, no, let's have a fifth or sixth album. Like you know, everyone's like, cool. 
you didn't have to give us this. We didn't think you would. And I mean, as a work, I don't want to go to this gig out of interest anymore because it's just going to be like standing at the side of the Pope's funeral or something. Yeah. It's going to be um, it's going to be fucking phenomenal. Can't believe um, they went with an open coffin. But like, <laughs> here it, the album has got like Craig said, you know, like if, if I was a fan of this band as a teenager, I'd I'd presumably love this, and I do love this record, and I love that it exists, and I spent a week with it. And I've gotten past the initial kind of like, you know, oh my God, my buddy Valentine just played their first record in 22 years. Maybe it's better than Loveless. And it's like, actually, no, hang on, it really isn't. Uh, I was like, is this as good as Devil and God? Uh, It's not. Uh, Is this like their second best record? It might not be. Uh, It's definitely disjointed. It's got some kind of stylistic choices that I wouldn't have gone with. There is a sense of heaviness. It can be a bit of a challenge. You get it to a certain point and you're kind of like, okay, there's still a lot more road to walk here. But then at the same time, it kind of suckers you in and kind of, you know, beds you down in a weird way. And like by the end of it, you're like, oh, okay, we're at the ending now. And I guess that's kind of part of the point that it's making. Like, I mean, it's not meant to be clean. It's not meant to be pretty. It's not meant to be polished. It's meant to be a long goodbye. And I think as from that point of view, it absolutely works. And I think it's an incredible way to say goodbye because Daisy, the preceding record, which again, I think is underrated and maybe a bit not loved as much as it should be. That was definitely not a goodbye. You couldn't finish a career on this one and this is a full stop with a fucking exclamation point and yeah, I, I'm. it's an 8 out of 10 from me. Um, you know, it's, it's it, this is truly an end of an era for, for fans like myself. Um, I'd probably, like, verging on an 8, I'd probably go 7.5. There was a couple of songs, I mean, lyrically sometimes he can be amazing and then a song like Desert um, or no is it, which is the one where he kind of takes on the characteristics of an alt-right guy that's that, like that's Desert yeah which didn't quite work for me it was a bit like oh look I'm this character that's a bit shitty well, like, bit like I say if it, if it had been marked out with some sort of departure from the rest of the album yeah you know, mood and take and sound, then it might have been okay. Instead, it kind of sounded weirdly like they just drafted in a guest vocalist yeah, without yeah. switching anything up. There was like, it could never be heaven. There was some kind of bit clunky. I was like, oh, it's just really on the album. So that just brought it down. But actually, more enjoyable than you would think from Dave's <laughs> review, I would say, because tonally, like, their guitars sound gorgeous. It's a gorgeous sounding Oh, it's like, beautifully recorded. produced. Yeah. I mean, like, they're long time. You will enjoy listening to it. They're long time producer, like, they're kind of fifth member. Like, I mean, like, this, like, he got up close to those drums. Yeah. It, it's, it sounds it's a, great. It's got a live room sound. The guitar has always been gorgeous with this band. Jesse Lacey's vocals sound fucking perfect yeah. for what they are doing. Yeah. Like, this is, it's lovingly put together. Yeah. I'd uh, recommend checking it out, like, verging on an A for me. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a seven for me. Yeah. Uh, Decent album, like I say, I felt it was a little too married to its sort of choices. Um, some parts of it sounded a little forced, a little strained in that regard, but uh, still worth a listen. Well, um, you know, if you want to go and read the Vice piece about it, which is called uh, Brand New Science Fiction and the Terminal Dread of Being Alive. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. It's actually a very good piece. <laughs> For the terminal dread of reading that, I'm just going to move straight on to our next album. Let's cheer ourselves Grizzly up. Grizzly Bear are back. <laughs> those noted party merchants <laughs> and it's called Painted Ruins the LP and uh, this is what it sounds like Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, that was morning sound, morning with a U to keep up the cheery vibes. <laughs> um, it's the second track off their fifth album, and um, I, like I've I loved this album already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like. it. I mean, we we've discussed Grizzly Bear before, yeah. and yeah, you're a big fan, I know, Craig. Mm. So have we discussed Chris Bear before, by the way? Because this is one of my favorite little pieces of trivia. He's the drummer. Yeah. But he wasn't part of the project originally. Okay. Yeah. Like, how fucking mental is it that they went out and found a drummer for a project called well, Grizzly Bear? I think it was just Ed, wasn't it? was like a solo thing for the first album, yeah. But yeah, but it's been like, been like Alan Parsons trying to get session musicians and finding Jim Project to come in on the drums. Like. <laughs> Cullum did a wave. Spice <laughs> That was being character as Jim Project. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're five years on from their last record, Shields, which at the time I said was kind of something of a masterpiece in terms of what they were doing, which was for the first time they got properly like democratic. So as I said, it did start as an Ed Roast kind of solo mm. thing. And then he brought on the band. It was more of a band effort than ever before. And it really worked. It was like a kind of really good kind of example of their very intricate playing and compositional excellence. Kind of shot through folk poppy things and always with hooks and always with a bit of humanity. It didn't feel like... Uh, this is just mathematics or this is just showing off and to me this is a continuation of that it's a bit darker it's a bit more kind of like there's a bit of terror there like uh, the band have been talking about America and how it feels toxic at the moment and that seeps into all the tracks I think it's, it's a darker place to are in but still very enjoyable yeah I think some of the kind of counter rhythms halfway through songs almost sound like something chasing you or yeah, like a of, sense of pursuit yeah very much something so, like yeah. that um, yeah I, I, I really like this I mean you know, at one level, they are, you know, s- slightly impenetrable. I mean, you know, not as much as m- some people, sure, but, you know, it- it's not easy to get your head around first listen. Yeah. What I do really appreciate and really like about this band is that I think they're fully aware of that. And so it's built in a way that, like, it's going to reward you every time. Yeah. And that point. even if you need kind of five or six runs at a song to kind of figure it out lyrically, it's not like... You know those things where, like, you know, you listen to a song five or six times to try to figure it out, and by the end of it, the melody has just turned to elevator muzak in your head because you've just heard it over and over yeah, again. Yeah, creeps up in your that head. doesn't happen with this because yeah. there's so much to unpack and so much to kind of unfurl. Yeah. It's almost like things are just like overlying strands that, you know, you like you have to kind of pick at one and follow where it goes. Um, this is another great record from, from a band that I think are, are vastly underrated, to be honest. To call back to the brand new record for just a second, and that voice piece, by the way, mm. uh, written by Emma Garland, by the way, it's a really good piece. Uh, she makes a point in it, talking about that last track on that record, Batter Up, and she says, depending on what mood you're in, you know, this track could either be an inspirational mantra for you, or it could be something that you, like a crutch or, or that you fall down on rather than, than, than hoist yourself up, sure. depending on what mood you're in. And I found with the Grizzly Bear record... Pale yourself? Like, I, 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 I fucked up the metaphor, okay? <laughs> Can we just... <laughs> uh, so essentially... I found a similar kind of road here in as much as I think this is a gorgeous record. I think it's elegiac in the extreme and that's a good thing. I did find it impenetrable on occasion. I did find it meandering on occasion. I did find it almost too complex for its own good and layered on occasion. But at the same time, there's so much here to admire and enjoy. But like, I got in a little bit of trouble uh, for saying this to someone today. And I kind of said, like, you know, this is a record that I think you would put on if you want to go asleep to. And that's not me slagging it off or anything. It's not me being negative whatsoever. I find it to be quite a, you know, you get lost in it. Like, you know, it's labyrinthine. Yeah. And I found it hard to just tap into it. I found it hard to just kind of like, just be like, no, listen to one track I, off it. I was about to say, yeah, it's not an album that you're going to kind of a, drop in and out of. It's kind of an aerial mosaic, if yeah. you'll allow me to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, once it's working for you and you're like in that zone, you do tumble down a bit of a rabbit hole with it, like, and you're along for the ride, I think. Yeah, that's a good way of... 
describing it. Like, I agree with what Cullen said. At the same time, if you put this on before you go to sleep, I don't think it's going to be your most restful night. <laughs> well, I very rarely have those restful nights. Maybe if you so. stop putting albums like this on to go to sleep, <laughs> I usually listen sleep to podcasts better. before I go to sleep. But I mean, like, okay, so essentially, like, um, yeah, I, I didn't find it samey per se, but I do think that it cut from a very similar cloth as you go. But it's kind of like, I don't know, like, it, for lack of a better comparison, because they obviously sound sonically nothing like it's kind of like a foot buttons record, in as much as you're like, it's just this relentless thread that they're stretching and entwining and sure. like wrapping it as far as they can go, which is to be, again, hugely admired. But I found it hard to connect to this album. I just found it hard to let go and actually kind of let it envelop me. Now, Craig, I know you mentioned Shields, and I'm pretty sure when you wrote your review for Hot Press, I think you gave it one of your coveted four and a half out of five. Yeah, I very much did, yeah. Almost a perfect record for you. Almost. There are no perfect records, of course. That's know, true. But, yeah. it's, it's, on first listen, for sure, that nothing should be getting five stars or ten out of ten. <laughs> but um, essentially, yeah, I mean, like, no, this is this is beautiful work. It really is. And as Colm says, it's one of the great records of the year. It is. But I can't say that I... I loved it. I mean, I enjoyed it, sure, but like, I just, something about this, there was like a wall, a wall of sound, and I found myself on the other side of the wall. And that's fair. I mean, they can be very inscrutable, but I think, like, you talked about that thread being stretched out. They do switch it up, uh, like, a fair bit, I think. I mean, I'm, I remember talking to Daniel from the band around the time of Shields, and he was talking about how they've always tried to have, like, pop moments, like the likes of Yet Again, and also find the space in the music. He talked about the band Talk Talk and how. I mean, throughout their career, they got more and more sparse. Now, Grizzly Bear going the other way, I think. Mm-hmm. But they're still trying to find those dynamics where you'll get something like the first four tracks, the Three Rings, almost feels like a closer to a certain chapter mm-hmm. of it. And Losing All Sense comes in with these stabby Beatles guitars and a gorgeous refrain, and you're off somewhere else. So I think they're always finding these pockets of kind yeah, of light and shade that Neighbors you can just... Neighbours has a kind yeah. of good sense of momentum to it as well, I thought. Yeah, so there are switches up there. But I totally see your point, Dave, in terms of... If it's not quite hitting you on a like an emotional level, uh, I can see why that would. It yeah. never did. I mean, yeah. like, there are moments of absolute splendor here. There's some shimmering like moments that are just incredible, like lovely individual twists and turns. But I never found myself feeling the narrative. If there is one, I never. His words didn't do much for me apart from be like a pretty picture. It's a very very pretty picture, but. I don't think there's much behind the eyes here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I I must say I disagree. I I tend to kind of find substance in what they do, and unlike some other bands where I do feel exactly like you, um, Animal Collective would be one perhaps that kind of share certain um, roots with it, with it, with it, with an act like this, and you kind of say, yeah, look, list keep it on listening to this, like banging your head against a wall trying yeah. to make a connection. Whereas no, I I think Grizzly Bear will will reward that effort and will reward those repeated listens. Uh, for me, it's an 8. I really enjoyed this record. Yeah, I might go 8.5. Oof. I'm, I'm going your uh, classic 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. No, it's really fucking good. Yeah. It really is. Check it out for sure. But I just didn't... I, I didn't get there emotionally. And to be fair, a lot of it could simply be the fact that the brand new album was incredibly distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, to be honest, I mean, like, I'll, I'll put all my cards on the table here and say that over the weekend I barely even got to it. And like very much by the time I got to it, like on Monday, I was kind of like... Oh, I have to listen to this Grizzly Bear record. So, it, like, through no fault of them, it yeah. has come out at a very inopportune time for me. So, I look forward to revisiting it when I kind of actually get the chance to properly bed down with yeah, it. Yeah, like it's they, great. No, it is. It, it's a really good record. I just wish I liked it more. But they are a band. They said it themselves. Like, you kind of almost have to assimilate the music. So, as Colm says, like, just where it, it's like popping into your head or whatever, get to that point, um, and then come back to us, Dave. I will. <laughs> but in the meantime, I've been listening to some good old-fashioned hardcore because. <laughs> 
Colm and I mentioned that we watched wrestling together at the weekend. Oh, yeah. Now, the night before the wrestling, there was the uh, kind of first division, I suppose, of <laughs> WWE, first also known as NXT, which yeah. is always a better card because it's shorter and they actually have better they things on it. They want more. <laughs> but they also had some live bands playing this time, and there was one band called Code Orange that were playing, and uh, I saw a pitchfork on Twitter be like, Code Orange played last night at WWE's NXT, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, why the fuck are Pitchfork talking about wrestling? They've never done this. So I went along, and it turns out they're fans of this band, Code Orange. They reviewed their record from earlier this year called Forever and gave it like a big 7.4, which of course, we said before, for Pitchfork is quite a high rating. Mm-hmm. So I was like, interesting, very interesting. And I went onto Spotify and checked it out. I like my hardcore here and there. And it's good. Like, you know, it's not going to change the world. It's certainly not on the Converge level. Uh, incidentally, shout out to a friend of the show, Dave Higgins, who went to Austria this week and saw Converge in a tiny fucking club and was sending me photographs from it. I'm very upset. But Code Orange, if you're in the mood for a hardcore blast in the arm, check out Forever. It's definitely a lot of fun. Also enjoyable and kind of, again, challenging in its own way, the Alice Glass EP dropped because we were talking last week mm-hmm. about it and we were like, I wonder when she put out more music. Turns out she put out six tracks self-titled last Friday, another surprise release. And it runs the gamut from what we heard with on the track Without Love and this kind of like, you know, newfound pop kind of almost mastery really to the glitchy kind of percussive stuff that you would expect. There's a track on there that is just annoying to listen to. There's a brilliant closer. It's a mixed bag, but it's good. I think, yeah, I, I gave it one listen earlier in the week and I kind of agree uh, with you there. We said last week that this was obviously her sort of moving away from what she'd done before with yeah. Crystal Castle and kind of trying to find her own feet. So I suppose it makes sense that She's kind of experimenting in that regard. Um, other things I've heard, uh, just today, actually, uh, Beck dropped a single. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was funny that, like, through the songs of the week, you were referencing kind of like, you know, 70s McCartney and 70s Lennon. Well, this <laughs> is just before that. This is late, like, Psychedelia Beatles sort of stuff. Like, yeah. It's, it's like his take on Father John Misty, but a lot more retro-inspired. Yeah, maybe a kind of ELO-y vibe yeah. as well, which is just a Beatles vibe, really. So, uh, speaking of Father John Misty, see, see your boy Ryan Adams again, Craig. Was, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, he called them the most self-important, he called Father John Misty the most self-important asshole in the world, but then apologised. Did you not see the apology? So it's all okay. He, I did he not took see it all back and um, it's almost said like that. Ryan Adams has a, has a, you know, tweeting without thinking problem. <laughs> no, surely not. There was also a Father John Misty response. Well, also Ryan, Ryan, Adams of him. Was, Ryan Adams was threatening to buy one of Craig's novelty suits <laughs> last week. So I'm now selling novelty suits, apparently. Uh, Father John Misty's response was just a video of him just going like shouting to someone being like, hey, Ryan Adams thinks I'm the most important asshole in the world. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, very good. Uh, and yeah, and in terms of other things to listen to uh, next week, I mean, who would I be killing if I said otherwise? Probably going to be spinning the Taylor Swift single quite a bit. Oh, oh yeah, that's Woo. right. How about that artwork, eh? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Go to our Twitter account to see Cullum's wonderful interpretation of said artwork. Craig, what have you been listening to? I've been listening Mate. to The Velvet Underground. <laughs> oh, <laughs> where are they from? An eye on yeah. from? <laughs> well, do you know why, actually? Because Pitchfork finally caved and did their like albums of the 60s list. Which they said like five years ago, we'll, we'll never do it because albums weren't a big thing in the 60s. And now they're kind of fully on board with it. And then some Condé Nast executive and, was like, I want it. Yeah, and number one was Velvet Underground and Nico, which is a wonderful record with a wonderful cover. That banana. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Bit of Warhol for you. Fair enough. Uh, reminder <laughs> once again, reminder once again that if you enjoyed this show, come to see us live with also great special guests overhead the Albatross Dahi and Lane May. Whelan, September the 28th is part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. Tickets are 12 euro. They're on Ticketmaster right and now. And they will be posted to you soon as well because I just got a got, delivery yeah. of tickets to my apartment. To clarify, Cullum didn't buy a ticket for his own show. His <laughs> no. girlfriend did. Yeah. So she, does she ain't getting on that guest <laughs> No guest list for you, love. <laughs> 
Okay, uh, play us out this week as always. We will have Irish music. We featured this uh, act on the show before Keith Mannion, aka Slow Place Like Home. He's back with a new single. It's called Echoes. What makes this special, you might wonder? Well, I'll tell you, listener. Fergal McKee of Whipping Boy fame. If you've never heard Whipping Boy before, well worth checking yeah, out. Definitely. Well worth checking out. A uh, band of your. Uh, he has lent his vocals to this kind of spectrally synthy based track. And I gotta say, it's really, he sounds good. He sounds like he's kind of. Back amongst it, and maybe nope. he is. I'm not saying Whipping Boy are going to make a comeback or nothing, but who knows? Maybe it starts here, and it starts on No Encore, and it starts right now. My name is Dave Henry. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. See you all next week. Bye, 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 bye.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.